Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Resource Room Podcast. I am so glad you're here today to talk about three reasons why progress monitoring is so hard. And you might be thinking, whoa, 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 Amanda, we have been talking about crappy IEP goals. Why are you switching gears to progress monitoring? And here it is. When you have really good goals and those improved goals that we talked about and improved goals that really tell what a student is able to do, it makes progress monitoring so much easier. Sometimes progress monitoring can be very intimidating because frankly, your goals suck. Your goals don't align with what you're doing in your groups. Your goals don't align with what the students actually need. Maybe your goals are written in a way that it's going to take you so much time to progress monitor that it just feels daunting. It just feels like an impossible task. So for me, the number one way to help your progress monitoring become easier is to start with really good goals that you have written yourself or that you actually like. Maybe it's one you inherited, but you can work with it. But if your goals are kind of sucky, then so is your progress monitoring. And I have shared this before, but I'm gonna say it again just to drive it home. My first few years of teaching, I wrote some really crappy goals. And then I kind of hit this stride where I was doing a really good job and I felt like I was kicking butt at writing those goals and progress monitoring. I was doing a good job. But then in that stride where I felt like I was owning progress monitoring, I was also taking a lot of time away from my instruction to progress monitor. And so now I feel like I've kind of come back around to, okay, Yes, I can rock progress monitoring, but it doesn't have to dominate my day or dominate a whole week of instruction. I can build it into what I'm doing. So that's kind of my current trend is figure out how I can make progress monitoring easier and also incorporate it into what I'm doing. And to me, that starts with a very well-written goal that can be worked into our daily routine. The second reason why I think progress monitoring can be so incredibly hard for us is that there isn't a plan. So as I was just saying, I've been trying over the last year or so to figure out ways to work it into my daily routine, into what I'm already doing. And so in some areas, progress monitoring is easy. It just happens. For example, um, I have a lot of my fourth grade students with goals about like answering an open-ended question where, you know, we restate, we answer, we cite evidence, all of that. For them, it is so easy. I don't, I literally don't even have to think about the progress monitoring because it's already in my book. We're already doing that one to two times a week, depending on what, which group I'm talking about. So there's already a plan there. However, whenever I get a student who maybe doesn't quite fit that mold, 
or I write a goal where maybe they're using nonsense words instead of real words for their goal, that throws me for a loop because I don't always have a plan for that. So I told you a few episodes ago that for a lot of my kids with decoding goals, I copy pages on the back of the books and those pages have real words. So if I have a student with nonsense goals, in the middle of all of that progress monitoring, I'm like, ah, gosh, I don't have nonsense words on these. So that's something that I don't have a plan for, and that makes progress monitoring that one or two or three kids that I have makes it a little bit harder. So I am choosing to make my own life harder by not having a plan for that or not thinking of that until, oh, crap, it's... It's time for me to put this data in and I don't have the right data. I have real words or whatever it may be. So another reason why I think we we find progress monitoring to be harder is because we don't have a plan. And so to me, the time that this is airing, you know, we're well into the second semester and it's not like we have a fresh brand new school year to start trying things out on. So if you are listening to this in real time when it is released, I would suggest that now in this like March, April, May time of year, start thinking about, okay, how can I really have a plan? How can I figure it out now so that at the start of next school year, I do have a plan? I told you a few episodes ago that I wanted to try something different with how I'm progress monitoring sight words. I want to see how many they can do in one minute. I'm trying it now so that I can decide, is this something that I want to pursue next year as a way of monitoring goals? My kids don't have goals like that right now. I'm not writing that because I'm not doing anything in my daily routine to to reflect that. But if I add that to my routine now, work out the kinks, figure out what I want to do, then next year, I know that that is a good solid plan that I can have to assess those sight words. Right now, that's not where I'm going. I don't have goals like that. But this second semester time is perfect for trying out those things so that I can be like, ooh, actually, this works really well. Or, oh my God, this is a total fail. Good thing I didn't write any goals about that. Now, if this was year one or two of teaching, I would have totally written a goal like that because I had a really great idea and I thought it was a slam dunk and I didn't work out any kinks. But 11 years in, I'm saying, I'm gonna play it out a little bit and see how it works. And then next year, or maybe the tail end of this year, after I've worked out some kinks, then I could start writing goals like that. But I'm not doing that without having a good plan. Last but not least, don't don't hate me for this one, okay? Maybe it doesn't apply to you, but I'm gonna say it because I see it and I hear it from other people. So one reason why I think progress monitoring could be really hard for you is because you are riding on the hot mess express every day. You are disorganized. Maybe it's because you don't have a plan. Maybe you collect the data and you throw it in a pile, whatever it might be. Truth be told, it could be progress monitoring is hard because you're a little disorganized. So even if you have excellent goals, even if you have things built into your routine to collect that data in the moment, if you don't know what you did with it, or you don't record it right then, it's gonna feel really overwhelming even still. So you're going to have to make sure that you have a plan not only for the groups and how you're going to collect that data, 
but you also need a plan for then what are you doing with that data afterward? So I wanna explain a little bit of what I do and you don't have to steal this, you don't have to do it. However, I will share a freebie in the show notes so that if you do want to download this, you definitely can. And I create a cheat sheet at the beginning of each nine weeks. And really, there it's very similar every nine weeks, but you know, sometimes you hold an annual for this kid or that kid here or there and the goals change. So I don't do it in advance, I just do it at the beginning of every nine weeks. And I've done this in two different ways. So I'm gonna kind of describe both and you could choose which works for you. So the file that you'll be able to download or maybe you wanna make a version of your own that works a little better for you, but that cheat sheet at the top says first nine weeks and then it has a spot down below for each student. I think on that first page there are maybe eight students, I think, eight students and up to five goals per student. My, most of my kids don't have five goals, but they're there in case I would need it. And then on the back of that, like if you copied it two-sided would be basically the same thing, but no title at the top. You would have maybe 10 students and enough room for five of their goals. And then you could reproduce as many of those as you needed. So with that, I used to long ago, I would put on that first page, I'd start with my kindergartners, write all their goals. Then go to first grade, write all their goals. I would kind of organize them by homeroom. So where did they, you know, who is their classroom teacher? So that they could kind of be grouped in a way that made sense in my mind. And then on the next page, you know, then by then maybe we're to second grade students. Third page might be third grade students and so on. But the tail end of last year and then the beginning of this year, I've just done it all year and it's worked very nicely for me. Um, my reading series is color coded. And so what I do, I love uh, fine point Crayola markers. Um, I am not a flare girl pen kind of thing. That is not my style. I prefer Crayola fine tips. And so I use the color of the group that they're in and I write all their names on that first page that says first quarter and then has like room for eight students. So for my first group of the day, I see a group of kids working on orange. So I have orange marker and all of their names there and then what their goals are. And then I print the exact same page and then I have a blue group after them. So in blue, all of their names are there and their goals are outlined. Then the same page is printed again and let's see what do I have after that is purple because then I have some kindergartners and then I have a red group. And so I just have for my 10 groups that I'm seeing during the day, there's a different page for each and every one of them. I have stored it in their uh, folder for each group. I put it there, but this year I, I have not done that. Instead, I have um, kept it on a clipboard and I kind of stapled all of those pages like a little book so that then I record all of the data that I've collected almost like you would record grades into a grade book. So if you think back a few episodes ago, I told you that I copy those progress monitoring pages on the back of every third week. Typically, whenever we finish a book as a group, I let the kids take it home with them. But on that third week where I have the progress monitoring pages on the back, I keep those books and I have a special paper tray where I just shove them in until I have a chance to put them on my clipboard. 
In a perfect world, I would be able to do that the same week or maybe even the same day, but let's be real, that does not happen all the time. And so it can kind of live in that paper tray until I'm ready to record it on my progress monitoring cheat sheet. So if you are feeling like progress monitoring is so much harder than it has to be, maybe it is because you just don't have a really good plan for all of that data that you have collected. And maybe it's just an organizational issue. So I highly encourage you to write goals that work for you. Figure out a good solid routine so that you know what goals you should be writing and then have a plan for how are you going to collect data in the moment, in your groups, and then what are you gonna do with it afterwards? Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.